What's up, y'all? It's Zach Willem Incorporate, and uh, recording this still um, in the wake of continuous tragedy and the brutalization of black and brown bodies uh, at the hands of the state, this time specifically a black man uh, senselessly beat to death by a group of police officers who happened to be black. I think the the, the challenge again for those who who weren't raised uh, in this country as black Americans you don't realize that the race of a police officer is cop they are not there are no it's not like oh let's get a white cop let's get a black cop the talk applied to police period and the reason why me growing up, the talk that I had applied to police period is because there was an understanding that the system of policing is the problem and not the race of the officers. Uh, there are these really insultingly illogical narratives that say if you get more black police officers in black areas, that it'll be different. Um, there's narratives around you need same race police officers to quote build trust back in these communities but no one ever asked the question of when was there trust between policing police and black communities historically the foundation of policing is rooted in slavery policing has always been about managing white property and white people Um, and even still white people only to the extent that they don't upset corporate control and interest, right? And property. It's not like even police aren't even here to really even protect anybody besides the interest of uh, corporate elite and the interests of the state. It's scary when we're about to hit Black History Month and even in this disgusting display of brutality um, against a black man by police the black officers were immediately charged with secondary murder but the two white officers also involved in this heinous act were protected and shielded from scrutiny and were also not charged with any crimes in fact one of the officers is on paid leave I say all of that to say We are still in systems that are irrevocably broken. I'm not interested in having conversations about how to make the systems better. This goes back to the conversation we just had um, last week in talking with uh, John Graham about the fact that the the goal is not to enhance your place in the line. It's to dismantle these systems that create these hierarchies of power that always leave somebody or some somebody's at the bottom to be um, exploited in any which way. And I'll say this also is that black folks deserve attention and care, even when they're not being murdered brutally by police, black people, in this country 
are always on the receiving end of the roughest treatment of the least resource um, of the the most um, the most critical of assessment and that extent that extends into our careers you're looking at all these layoffs right now that are happening and I'm gonna tell you disproportionate amount of folks getting laid off are black they are they're black and brown. I mean, I can tell like there's tech companies out there um, who have been circling the drain for over a year, um, laying folks off and their layoffs are resulting in half of their black staff being gone. That happens. I'm serious. And there's no one going to hold them accountable for that. Like, yes, there's potentially a class action in there somewhere, but they're not really going to be held accountable for that because it's monkey see, monkey do. Um, and then they'll turn around the same breath, post something about Martin Luther King and economic empowerment. Like you just stripped away a bunch of black people's ability to take care of their families in um, an extremely uh, anxiety ridden economic season. And so I, I say all that to say, like our work has to connect the dots between these public tragedies and the real abuse that organizations inflict upon their own employees who happen to be black and brown. With that being said, um, you know, we always have conversations here that are going to be to the point and frank and speak to the reality of what these systems are and then also seek to provide frank and real talk in a corporate world. And so I'm thankful for my conversation that we were to have today with Jermaine Jupiter, AKA the job father. We talked about his journey as a recruiter. We talk about Jupiter HR. We talk about his perspective of the landscape today. Uh, we talk about, we talk about a wide array of things, right? So I'm just excited. I want y'all to sit tight, listen to this interview and um, we'll see you soon. All right. All right. You know, this has been a long time coming. I ain't going to hold you. Uh, Jermaine, what's going on, man? What's going on, Zach? Look, man, um, so much that we can talk about. Um, it's funny. You and I have been following. I've been following you through Living Corporate and vice versa for a while now, actually. And um, and it's just, you know, I, you, you've popped up on, on the timeline. I see you a lot. And like we also have a lot of mutuals. And I was like, man, I really got to get them on the show. So I'm just excited that we finally able to make this happen, brother. Um, look, man, let's let's start off with the fact that, you know, you're no secret to the black tech, black career um, space in terms of, especially on, on social media. It's like you're on a very short list of folks when people think about sharing resources, information, things of that nature. Like your name is constantly popping up and you're you're constantly out there sharing points of information, wisdom, coaching, et cetera. Talk to me about how you built that profile over time and what that looked like for you. Um, Honestly, no, like this is going to sound weird, but none of it was intentional. Like the only intention I had was I just wanted to get as many of us in as possible. It was, uh, and when I say us, I mean black people. It was very frustrating to go into these rooms and be feeling like um, I'm like the only and like, I, I don't know, like, um, I, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person and like, I'm, I'm, I'm tight with a lot of people in my community, a lot of people in my family. And, you know, the, the, the more I worked in this space, 
the the more privileged I started to feel. And I'm not better than anybody else in my community or anyone else in my family. But it was just so weird to me that I had this opportunity just through sheer luck. And it was a problem because like I was seeing other people from other communities really thrive. And I was like, I'd like to to do something about that. And I'd like to like try to put as much information, like try to just make things as transparent as possible because we're for, like, it just feels like from, for, from like the black perspective, everyone's always trying to hide information from us or try to gatekeep us out of certain spaces. So my intention was to just make things as transparent as possible. So people could just figure out what their next move was. Even if I couldn't like, even if like the tweet in, in question didn't give you the full answer, if it could at least directly to like doing, I, this is what my next step is going to be. This is a really simplified process. Um, I was like, I'd be happy with that. Um, honestly, I, I needed a, I need someone like me years ago, really like years ago. And I didn't, I didn't get it. And as a result, I had to go through like a lot of pain and struggle and strife and it didn't have to be that way if somebody could just like tap me on the shoulder and just be like just be like yo this is an opportunity that you'd be good for here's how you can get in here's how you here's some points of research for you to even just start looking right um and just that commitment to just being as transparent as possible and just trying to just like being myself a lot of people really started to rock with the mission they really started to rock with the um uh, with the work that we were doing, and uh, I think things came or I came to a head when we, uh, when I did the Jupiter 100 challenge in 2021, where uh, the goal was to help 100 Black people get new jobs in tech, and to just do it publicly, celebrating every single win and building up community from there. I think a lot of people um, they really appreciated that. They really appreciated uh, the fact that we that people like them were winning showing that it was possible and showing that like all it takes is just getting us some visibility and like we really started to like like we really started to start conversations around black representation and whether or not organizations were really trying or doing their best to like give open the doors up and have these opportunities and that got me a lot of attention and a lot of I, I want to not notoriety well yeah notoriety because I've gotten a lot of like angry white pe- white guys in my in my my comments and my chats and my DMs. Yeah, uh, I can't believe I can't tell you how many times I ed- ended up on Reddit and they're they're calling me like a black supremacist. Um, it's yeah, I, I've heard it all. Um, <laughs> it's been wild, man. But it's it's been like honestly, at the end of the day, I stand ten toes I stand ten toes down on this. Um, I have a very loud voice and I'm more than happy to weaponize it on the behalf of people that look like me because we I'm just tired of like us not like us being leveraged our talent and our culture is being leveraged you know for these enterprises and like it none of it's ever funneled back into the community and I think the worst part is is that we're always the, the on the receiving end of like these systemic movements like gentrification happening in our neighborhoods um, or just being outside of like, you know, when you look at the comparisons between uh, the wealth between a black household versus non-black households, right? Where do we do, what can we do to like to start addressing this? And um, 
being being able to connect with as many people as are in our community as possible to help them with jobs or even just make this a bit easier. Right. It felt like I was just able to start doing something, even if it was just something small. You know, like it's so much there, right? Parallels I I, I hear, um, even in like kind of I live in corporate came to be is that, you know, it's not like you came out with like this really big grandiose thing. It was like you're like, well, how can I be what I needed, mm-hmm. right? How can I be the resource I wish I had? Um, you know, as, as we talk a little bit about just like this season that we're in, and and you also talked to you talked about it just now about folks kind of calling you a black supremacist, like. What is the response you have to organizations or individuals who say, you know, why are you trying to just help black people? And like, why, why don't you try to help all people? And why don't, you know, why are you focusing on only on this particular group? Why aren't you helping? Why, why don't you say that you're helping all marginalized people? Like, why are you, why are you saying black? Like, what is your response to that? Because I said what I said. Am I allowed to cuss? Yes. <laughs> Cause yes. I said what I said, fuck yourself. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what the first like honestly like the first time um this was actually brought up to me i was working at a recruitment agency and it was i was working under a non-black manager um who wasn't white and so this was like the beginning of like the jupiter 100 it's all started yeah. off with like a whatsapp group that i made where anytime i went to a networking event if i ran into a black person i'd introduce myself and i'd be like listen join my whatsapp group we're just spitting knowledge we're just we're just we're just sharing info insights job opportunities everyone in this whatsapp group if they have a job interview coming up and they want to prep they want to help with salary negotiation i'm the guy they come to to help them with that so if you join this group i'll help you right and um in that first year like we i helped like 67 black people get new jobs in tech and it was primarily through that whatsapp group uh but like Two months into the into the year, like like February, uh, my manager of like 2019, my manager comes up to me and like, I think at that point I had submitted like a good like 20, 25 black people uh, to like different roles throughout like our organization. Right. And yeah. uh, my own roles. And she was just like she brought me to lunchroom and she's like, Jermaine, you can't be the only black recruiter on our team and all you submit are black people it looks away and i remember say I, I looked at her and i was like i think you need to start asking the question of of why is it that the only black candidates we see are from jermaine right and what did she say to that i was i wasn't done because i was i kind of went on a little rant oh I go was, ahead my bad no nah, no nah, bro i was just like i was like why is coming from Jermaine? And I was like, when, and I started like, I started channeling the Joker from like the dark night. Cause <laughs> it, he started making sense. Right. He was like, I was like, when a white guy, or like if I have a submission of five candidates and if they're all white or if they're all Asian or if they're all Indian, you don't blink an eye. Right. That happened the first couple of months that I was here. That's all I was submitting. And right. nobody, you, you didn't bring me in this corner in the saying like Jermaine, what's going on here. Right. But only like when when it's black people, it's a problem. Like, why is that the story? And I was like, listen, mathematically speaking. And I also like I I read a report earlier that kind of radicalized me about black representation. I found out that in America, less than nine percent of the black of the tech workforce is black, even though you guys have like a 15 percent population representation. 
And in Canada, it's less than 3%, right? Yeah. So I was yeah. heated. Like she literally said this to me probably like the day after I read that. So I was heated. And I was like, and this is why I came up with my slogan when I was shouting at her, right? I was yeah. like, you can't overrepresent for an underrepresented group. Like there's only, I was like, there's only like 3.5% of us in here. Like, come on now. Right. Um, and that was just, that was just it. And I think a lot of like, a lot of people from our community just appreciated the bluntness because mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't like, I don't care anymore. Like I argue, I'll argue with people about it all day because it like, I need you guys to make sense. And like, my mentality at this point is either like you with me or you got to get the fuck out the way or we're just going to like ram you over. Right. Because there are quality people, quality talent in my community. Right. Mm -hmm. That's underrepresented. And I, I, I say this, you, 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 this, this podcast is titled live in corporate. I'm going to say something that some people might find as a hot take, but mm -hmm. in every single corporate situation or setup that I've ever been in right mm -hmm. if i see a black person relative to their peers they have more achievements and accomplishments that's and a fact degrees under their belts that's a fact relative to their peers that's a fact i'm gonna say that yeah no it I mean it's a fact like and it's so wild right because it's like <laughs> let's like let's talk like personality if i like you and all that stuff aside like typically like more times than not overwhelmingly if i see um person a and person b in the same job and one is black especially if one is a black woman and one is like a white person that other person is going to have they're going to probably they might be a little older or they're going to have some advanced degree or they're going to have some crazy experience for the job they're overqualified for the job like they've done something that like whoa you <laughs> like you are supposed to be here right like you have done some dope stuff you're over, you shouldn't even you shouldn't even be in this job to your point you're overqualified so no i mean it's 100 percent true like i mean that like that's like that aligns with not only my experience but like the countless conversations i've had and the role that i've sat in and the data that i've seen as a diversity equity inclusion executive as an hr business partner so as a change management consultant i mean the list goes on and on so yeah 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 please keep going i'm not lying hey you know what i find hilarious What's that? I, I've had conversations with black people. I'm I'm from Toronto, right? I don't know Drake, before you ask. Um, <laughs> um, I've had conversations with black people in Canada, Toronto, Montreal. You know, I've had conversations with people, with black people throughout the United States, right? I've had conversations with black people in in Berlin, in Germany, in mm -hmm. in England, right? Um, in Jamaica, the Caribbean, I've, I've talked to black people from all over and you want to know, you know what's hilarious. What's every single one of them had the con every single one of them that weren't from a predominantly black uh, country. Right. Every single one of them had the you got to work twice as hard to get half as much conversation. Didn't matter. Didn't matter where they were from. Right. I'm, I'm talking like I'm talking I've, I've talked to like black people where English was their second language, yeah, and, and they had to do that, right? Yeah. So like it's and like when I when I realized that because like I have this whole community and I, and I and I'm connecting with like employers and they like their employers that that they're like we want to we want to like hit our diversity metric, but like we also don't want to just hire black people because they're black. And I'm like no 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 no, we're asking for a fair shot. 
We're mm-hmm. asking for a fair shot because more often than not, if you see us make, if you see us quote unquote get a shot, we're way too overqualified for that shot. Like the amount of work and learning that we had to put in and what we're able to produce. Right. No, we we just right. want a fair shot because if we get a fair shot, you're gonna see what's good. And I always say it like this: if you if the amount of representation in tech right now for black people is three percent, right? In Canada, nine percent in the in the states. If you open up a role and you have one one hire for this role, you get a hundred applicants, right? The numbers say like nine of those applicants at best will be black, right? Out of that hundred. What are the chances of you having a conversation and hiring if you randomize the amount of people that you see in order of the hundred, right? And you're only trying to fill one spot. What are the chances of you running into a non-black person before you hit a black person? Even if you're just right. genuine, you know what I'm saying? So like right. when we when we when I talk, I'm like, we want to surface, we want to we want to give black folks a fair shot by surfacing them to you, like moving them ahead of the queue, getting them in the front of the line. Because the numbers say, like, we're not asking you to give a handout. We're asking for a fair shot. If they're not qualified, they're not qualified, right? Right. But we want we want at least a shot in the interview to prove that we're qualified. The numbers say if you go through these nine candidates and you don't find somebody to hire, Dylan isn't going to miss out on an opportunity, right? Or someone mm-hmm. that looks like Dylan is not going to miss out on an opportunity. They will not. And that's why I'm like, you can't overrepresent for an underrepresented group. The, the numbers just aren't there, right? So if you want to make this DEI effort, if you want to make this actual like tangible like pro black experience or, or black a safe a safe space for black people in your org you have to be intentional with this because you have to recognize the context systemic and otherwise that has hampered our representation and that's all i'm saying that's it man i'm right there with you and it's it's wild because like we <laughs> There's like this, um, I mean, first of all, it's all intellectually dishonest, right? Because we know that we're underrepresented. Like like the data, there is no data out there that would even insinuate that um, black folks are in any way overrepresented in any space in tech, frankly, just in the corporate sector, like in just private sector, but certainly in tech. Um, And then in addition to that, like to still even have the conversation of, well, are they qualified or not? It's like, again, like we, we don't, we don't ask these same questions of, of, you know, of, of, uh, of white folks. And there's this other piece that I find interesting. And this is what I've come to learn as I've just gotten a little older, Jermaine, man, a lot of people like mediocrity is like the high bar at work. I used to think you had to be like really talented to have a job. How many, man, how many jobs have you had where you've taught, you meet people? It's like, you're not really that good at your job. Like, so this idea of like, oh, we need really strong talent. It's like, like the average talent in corporate America is like. Because there's like a general like disengagement between like what people want to do, their value, their how they're, they feel valued in relationship. Um, and just like corporate crunch, you're just not going to get the best. Out of, like workplaces aren't optimized to get the best out of employees, right? If they were like, you'd see a lot more flexible work schedules, a lot more four hour, four or four day work weeks, a lot more pro employee stuff. But that's that's not how it is. It's not. And like, and I'm not I'm not saying that, like, 
people suck at their jobs. I'm saying that like there's a bunch of variables that come into your point yeah. that where the average performance that you're getting of an employee is not some stellar thing. It's not like good help is hard. Good. Like talent is hard to find. Like, obviously, like, you know, that people are like, you know, but but to your point, also work is not structured. It's not optimized to get the most innovative, uh, creative outputs from employees it just isn't and so this whole narrative but it, but it's interesting though because when we talk about black talent specifically there's this insinuation of inferior there's this assumption of inferiority as it pertains to um if they're a fit or not well hey if we come in we can, they gotta come in entry level um they gotta well that you know we don't have the we don't have the training programs to i'm like they're not like even like just me and my most pessimistic I've yet to see a like I'm like this I'm no joke. I've yet to see a black person and a job that is like yo you should you should get fired. Like I've yet to see like in terms of someone being incompetent. And like maybe that's because of maybe that's because of like the spaces I've engaged, right? Like I've been a consultant, I've worked in like um corporate offices and you know, I was like you know, I've been like in management positions. Yes, I see people that I don't pretend, I may not like everybody, but they know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? There are just a lot of like black people who relate to Stanley from the office way too much. And that's yes, just dog. if you understand what it's like to work in corporate America, you understand that Stanley is the real hero of the office. Dog, when I tell you, <laughs> yeah, man, when I tell you that like that Stanley is so relatable, like, bro, I'm just trying to do my job. Y'all acting dumb in here. <laughs> I come in on time and I leave on time. There's so much, there's so much there, right? Like, um, but anyway, look, man, I, you know, I, I got you here for a good time, not a super long time. Let me ask you this, you know, we've been in this space and we're in the season where tech, uh, they're saying they overhired in reality, they have their own boards who are greedy for just how capitalism is set up, where they want to, they want to continue to make these same margins of profits that they were making um, at the height of COVID when everyone was at home. Now they're realizing they, things have to change. They're looking at people as expenses and they're, they're, they're letting folks go left and right. Have, is it wrong to say, would you be surprised if you saw any data that showed that black folks are being let go at a disproportional rate um, in these layoffs? Would that surprise you at all? No, like these reports are never for black people though. Like the other, the other day I saw, I saw a report saying um, police may be more, more like racially discriminatory towards black people. And I was like, who is this news for? <laughs> like who like who is this news for um or like black people are underrepresented in tech who who are you telling like you're not telling me right right like you're not telling like the you know the only thing that was actually news to black people in the last five years with regards to tech was the concept of quiet quitting like that was a concept that i've i've like i'm still trying to like I'm still trying to like explain remote work to like some of my my family members. Like they're still trying to wrap their heads around it. Quiet quitting? <laughs> that's not a that's not a black Bruh. thing. That's you not know a black who doesn't thing. do that? You know who doesn't do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's so funny about quiet about that this whole notion, right? And like was and and I, here's the thing. I think it's it was a really interesting exercise. You just think about like the media as it pertains to um how they create jargon to generate clicks because you got to get clicks to get paid. So like I've never in my life heard of no quiet quitting. 
And like it was so interesting, like how the like how capitalism is set up and like how capitalist propaganda works. So as opposed to calling you just doing your job, because that's what it is. It's saying, hey, this employee is not going, quote unquote, above and beyond, which means they're doing what they were hired to do and they stop there. They're calling that quitting. Right. It's almost like some it's kind of Orwellian. It's like, yo, that's not quitting. Like. You're describing somebody doing their job and not doing more than what they were hired to do. If I, I was telling somebody like a, a few weeks ago, like on another interview, like, yo, if I hire somebody to fix my roof, I'm not going to be mad, Jermaine, if they fix my roof and don't clean my garage and fix my toilet. Yeah. I hired them to fix my roof. Yeah. Now, to your point, though, you're also right that we, of all people who just like come in and just do our job, we don't do that. Like, we're quick to take on an extra thing. Hey, you know, you got to make sure. Da, da, da. In fact, I, for me, I was raised like a lot of other black folks were raised. Hey, you got to do twice as much to get. You got to be twice as good to get half as much. Yeah. So the idea of overwork is kind of like culturally embedded in black. And I'm going to extend to black and brown communities. Like we're taught to like always do more just so you can stay at pace, if maybe a little ahead, right? Speaking, we have a whole stereotype around having six jobs. Dog, come on, man. You know what's crazy? Side note: When I was in um, when I was in college, mm. I had four jobs. Yeah, and, yeah. And so my family would be like, "Oh, you Jamaican now?" Yeah. And I was like, "What you mean?" I was like, "What you mean?" Like, "Oh, you know the Black Islanders? They stay with it. They stay with three, yeah. four jobs." Yeah. As I just we, I, that, but I never heard that until I got. But but yeah, like again, like we're known for that. Like I think about my grandparents. So my my people are not from the islands. But I think about. I think about my grandfather. My grandfather, my first of all, both sets of my grandparents had multiple jobs all the time. My mom always kept two jobs. One was if she was a teacher full time. She always had like a part time something hustle. You know, that's a thing, right? But but I guess when I, when we talk about layoffs, we talk about this job market right now and and where we're going. What advice would you give to Black folks as they're looking to um, as they're looking to continue to navigate their careers? Like, I, part of me feels like there's a narrative out there that says, "Hey." Try to stay put until we see what's going on in the economy. I see other people saying, "Hey, look, it's still a it's still a hiring space for the right talent." Like, what advice are you giving, or what what themes are you seeing right now, and what do you anticipate as we get into twenty twenty three? Nobody is safe. Nobody's ever safe. Um, even in the golden era of safety and stability, it is a life skill for you to develop how to find a new job. Right? You should always be looking for opportunities to move ahead. Whether it's a recession or whether it's 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 a was a bull market is the opposite. Yeah, bull market. Um, you should just know and be looking for what's always on the market for two reasons. One, in the event that you're ever laid off, you won't you won't be flabbergasted of what to do next or how to like plan out your next move. And two, you can get up to a twenty five to thirty percent raise in a six month span just based off of the free market right even even with the whole economy going like going down that is still a fundamentally true rule people still get the largest pay bumps um when they change when they change jobs right so you got to be able to stay ready or like i like to say stay dangerous right stay dangerous you know always be plotting your next move um be like Kawhi leonard be loyal to the name on the back of the jersey not the name on the front and do what's right for you, right? Stay ready, keep networking, build up your community, and have an idea of what's going on in your industry, right? 
or industries, I would say, um, to any black folks or anyone that's listening that's was that's been laid off. Um, think of this. This is going to sound weird, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not diminishing whatever hardship that you may be going. I'm, I say this as a dude that was laid off in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look at it as an opportunity. It's the only way to keep your sanity. Whether that means is an opportunity for you to develop a new skill or an opportunity for you to find an, uh, a job that's more closely aligned with like who you are and what makes you happy, you have to flip it on its head in order to stay in order to like stay ahead. Because when those opportunities come knocking and they invite you in for an interview, if you're looking dour, sad, depressed, defeated, they're not going to hire you, right? Mm-hmm. So stay stay up, stay motivated, um, stay angry, stay dangerous, and, and most of all, like. Don't ever feel safe unless you're running your own thing. You know, I think something else I want to talk about a a, a bit about is like, we're also in this season. I feel like, you know, we, our generation, we're coming off of our parents and certainly our grandparents who were like, hey, you need to stay where you're at. You know, don't leave unless, you know, there's really a, you know, a really great opportunity, but be loyal. You know, this idea of like loving your company and, um, you know, one of my mentors said, look, you don't ever love a company because they can't love you back. Um, I think, what would you say to executives who say, man, it sounds like, it sounds like black employees or like margin quote unquote, diverse talent is really outlooked and just to take care of themselves. Why should we even invest in them? If all they're going to do is just leave as soon as they can or leave, um, <laughs> for greener pastures or to get a bigger paycheck or whatever. Like, what would you say to those executives who, who have that critique? Not that I agree with, I think it's lazy. But I'm curious as to what your response to that sentiment would be. Um, my response would be twofold. One, um, it is extremely easy to keep people, literally just pay them and treat them well. It's 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 not rocket science. The question that you're yeah. really trying to ask me is how can we continue getting double the amount, double the value for half of the dollar, right? And mm-hmm. it's predatory. So unless you are unless you're being insincere or diabolical um, and hiding your true intentions, you're coming off across as predatory, right? If you are, if you really want to understand what's going on or why people are starting to look out for themselves or why people are less loyal this generation than they were in previous ones, it's simple. The money doesn't stretch the same way anymore. Money doesn't stretch. In our grandparents' generation, uh, my my grandmother worked as a social worker um, like taking care of like the elderly, uh, right before she became elderly, she mm-hmm. was like she had the opportunity in London to buy a house on that kind of salary, right? Mm-hmm. You you need you need you need to be making in London. Let's say like London, England. You need to be making well over like two three million dollars to even be able to afford property. Unless you, like that's we're back to like generational wealth. It's even the same here in Toronto. Same throughout the United States, like we are in a constant like cost of living crisis. So, like, it used to be that you would have all of these liabilities and assets tied to you because they were accessible. So, your job was really important because if your job was gone, these liability, these assets become liabilities. I'm talking your house, your car, right? If your your kids are going to school or whatever, like everything becomes much more complicated. But like our generation. We are either paying rent or we're living at home and the money's just is just sitting in the account because like 
we're either helping with our with where we're living or like we're living with parents and they're not really they understand and they're not charging us an arm and a leg like what else do you have to tie us to like you know what i'm saying we're, we're looking to prioritize opportunities that allow us to live our best lives our true lives our authentic lives and we see and have the means of communication where we're seeing that it's that these opportunities are out there and the companies that want to hire the best talents are the ones that understand to get with the program. And there are enough out there that are getting with the program where it's like, why, why would I stay here? Especially if I'm underpaid and overworked and they're only, they're only talking about a 2% raise. You know, it's like, and I think we're going to see, man, like with this, well, first of all, with our gender, with millennials and certainly like with these Gen Zers, like, I really believe in spite of um, recessionary fears and just like overall economic anxieties, we're going to continue to see black folks get and take what they want. Right. Like they're going to continue to like navigate these spaces on their own terms. Yes. Like we're going to, there'll still be folks who are looking for st- quote unquote stability and try not to necessarily jump. But I, I, I just, I don't see it, man, because information is too democratized now. Like, you are Jermaine, like you exist. And there are other people out there who are out here just sharing information for free and like career building and looking for resources and sharing opportunities. I mean, I just, I think the technology has flattened um, accessibility and awareness. If, if not accessibility, certainly awareness of like, hey, I don't have to stay in these abusive, in this abusive context. I can, I can get beat a little bit less over here, right? Um, Look, man, this has been a dope conversation. Before I let you go, like, where can people find you? What are you excited about? And over the, like, let's say, like, the next year, you know, I want you to give space to plug your stuff, man. And we'll make sure to put it in the show notes, too, but I want to give you space to talk. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter um, at Jermaine Jupiter or The Job Father. Um, you can follow, you can come to my website at jupiterhr.ca. Uh, you can look at what we have for our resources and services. Um, over the next year, what am I most excited about? Well, um, we have helped 352 Black people get new jobs in tech since 2019. And our goal is to hit 500. So that is 148 more to go. Might hit 353 by Monday, but we'll see. That's 148 to go. Um, over the next year or two, I'm looking forward to hitting to that 500 mark, right? That That's going to be big. Uh, outside of that, I don't know, maybe proposing to my girl. <laughs> Let's go, man. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't listen to podcasts, so she's not going to know what's, what's good. So we we goody with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love love, man. Well, look, um, look, it's been a pleasure. Uh, look, man, it's been Jermaine. It's been Jermaine. Of uh, Jupiter HR. Look, y'all got to make sure to get familiar. Click the links in the show notes. Keep up with Jermaine. Great content, great information, a great spirit, you know. And I hope that for the executives listening, y'all understand like this the mentality and attitude of Black folks and Black the Black talent you're seeking to engage. Um, you know, you, Jermaine said it. You said it really well yourself. It's not actually rocket science to keep people. And I'll tell you, man. Like every job is so funny. Every job I've had, I had every intention of being there for at least five years. Right. But racism, organizational incompetence and just toxic work environments encouraged me to find somewhere else. Right. So I've had this upward zigzag my whole career. 
But again, it's not because I necessarily went in with the goal to do that, even though I've quintupled my salary, my starting salary. I've I've it's grown 500 percent over the last 10 years. But that isn't to say that that's not what I was necessarily aiming for. I was just looking for a place where I could be respected and I could be paid a decent amount. Right. And shockingly. Most of us look like that. A lot of us ain't trying to be the newbie every few years, right? That's not really like the thing. Um, so I hope, again, executives, leaders, as y'all are listening to this, ask yourself, what does it look like for you to treat all of your employees better, particularly the ones you claim are so important that you put on your homepage and on your social medias and on your all your little branding stuff, all right? Make sure you treat everybody like you want them to stay there. Jermaine, we'll catch you soon, brother. It's been an honor. Thank you for having me, bro. All right, man. Peace. And we're back. Yo, shout out to Jermaine Jupiter, brother. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for all the work that you do. Please continue to keep it real. Make sure if you want to learn more about Jermaine, click the link in the show notes. Till next time, y'all, this has been Zach. Love y'all. Take care of yourselves. And don't ever judge your value by what white institutions say. Judge your value by what you see in the mirror. And I pray that you love yourself. Peace. elevation post-production is handled by jeremy jackson got a topic suggestion email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com you can find us online on twitter facebook instagram and living-corporate.com thanks for listening stay tuned